Welcome to From X to Z, the ultimate cross-generational conversation on health, wellness, and self-care. Guided by inspiring Gen Z trailblazers and expert voices. I'm your host, Vicki Cornwall. Get ready for eye-opening insights and actionable tips that transform your life. Welcome back to another insightful episode of From X to Z podcast. Today, we're venturing into the fascinating world of digital communities in the art of connection in the modern age. Our guest, Lydia Harris, brings a wealth of experience as a Gen Z birth doula, postpartum doula, feedback practitioner, and the lead content marketing strategist at May Health, a digital-first maternal health platform. Lydia is also currently pursuing her Master's of Public Health at UNC Chapel Hill. As a doula, she's not only a pivotal figure in life transitions, but also a connector in the community, touching lives through emotional, educational, and physical support. In this episode, we delve into the transformative power of online and offline communities in shaping our lives. Lydia opens up about her unique journey, how she found her path in doula work, and the profound impact of the doula effect, not only on birth outcomes, but working in communities, encouraging mothers to advocate for themselves. We'll explore the evolving dynamics of digital connections and the incredible sense of familiarity and kinship that transcends physical distance. Lydia's story is a testament to the remarkable ways Gen Z is redefining the concept of community in the age of technology. Welcome, Lydia, to From X to Z. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am very, very well. Super excited and happy to have you here with us. So, Lydia, talk to us about what you're doing these days. So... I am a birth doula, postpartum doula, and VBAC practitioner. In addition to that, I'm the lead of content marketing strategy at May Health. And so I am a bit of their social media girl. Uh, I am in charge of facilitating and organizing the blog content yeah, on their page. And uh, in addition to that, I'm getting my master's in public health. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. So, First thing you mentioned that you're you're a doula, and I don't think everyone knows what a doula is. And I'm going to be honest; I've only really started hearing more and more about doulas in the last, I would say, maybe five years or so, or mm-hmm. actually within the last like eight years or so. I'm hearing more and more about them. I mean, to be fair, I, I you know started having kids at that point as well, but right. I don't think it's a common thing you hear across across the U.S. Right? So, talk to yeah. us about being a doula and what is a doula. Yes, absolutely. I am often the first doula that people ever meet uh, whenever (laughs) I am, you know, going around family, friends and things like that. A doula in general is a person who provides emotional, educational, physical support during a transitional period of life. I say it like that because oftentimes when people describe a doula, they're describing a birth doula who is someone who is supporting that transition period of labor and birth. And so being a birth doula, that can look like 
providing prenatal education to mothers, being at the actual labor and staying with the mom and providing continuous support in the form of empowerment, affirmations, advocacy on behalf of the mother or encouraging the mother to advocate for herself, providing physical support, making sure that mom is comfortable, and then staying during the postpartum period and supporting with those first hours of infant support and care, which can include breastfeeding if a mom chooses to do so, or just making sure that everything is cleaned up, giving mom and baby and partner as much time that they can to focus on forming that initial bond with baby. That's kind of what birth doula is. And that's what's the commonly thought of like answer and definition for a doula. But there are many kinds of doulas. There's birth doulas, postpartum doulas, bereavement doulas, sibling doulas. There's a lot oh, wow. of different kinds. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that was new to me. <laughs> a doula helps with the transition periods. Yes. Okay. Okay. And of that, there are a lot of transition periods in life in general. So I. Exactly. Exactly. Got that yeah. Now. All right. Oh, I forgot too. There's sex doulas, fertility doulas, and end of oh, life wow. doulas. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Had no idea. And so, okay. So just to put it like, you're young, you're, you're a Gen Zer. Yes. What made you want to do this? So I don't have any kids. I've never been pregnant. However, I've always been interested in women's health. And what got me on the path of doula work was my interest in medicine and pursuing a career as an OBGYN. That was my initial passion of what I wanted to do. And I was really interested in supporting moms in those transitional periods. And okay. so to me, I've always kind of just been obsessed with pregnancy and things like that. And the more I started learning about the black maternal mortality rate as I got older, mm -hmm. I started mm -hmm. realizing, okay, I don't think that me being black, me being a woman is enough to make me the best doctor that I can be. So what is helping these moms? And I realized it was doula support and that kind of community-based practice. And so that is what mm. got me onto the path of, okay, I think I want to be a doula. I want to learn their secrets and what makes, you know, what, what is the doula effect that causes better birth outcomes? And right. so my training is what kind of opened that door for me and allowed me to get hands-on experience in what birth could and should look like for mothers. Okay. So, you know, my understanding with my knowledge of doulas, and I'm going to say it's birth doulas that, that I would have had some kind of knowledge of, is that it was almost like they were one of the first, you know, community workers, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they've always been a part of the community historically, and particularly in the Black community and, and in the South as well. And they had these connections with people, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess that that's how they were then helping them with through those transition periods. Yes, absolutely. So, the doula as we know it today worked in conjunction or often had the same role as the midwife. And what we would consider a doula now, they considered a birth assistant or a labor assistant. It was that second in command person who was there to support the non-medical parts of a pregnancy and a birth, the logistics of, you know, Who's going to get the towels? Who's going to hold mom's hand? Who's going to get a bucket if she needs to throw up or whatever is happening? That's what a doula was. What I really find interesting is the connection in the work that doulas tend to do as they connect with the people that they work with. 
and their connection with others in the community. Like just, it's kind of like a, it all kind of comes together. Um, and I know when we talked, you were very interested in the evolution of community in general. Yes, I'm tracking now. So another big piece of doula work is being a resource for mothers, for parents, for their community. And so a doula, in order to do their job effectively, we have to be connected to community. We have to be connected to resources. If Mm -hmm. mom is asking for recommendations for a pediatrician, given her preferences, we should be able to know pediatricians in the community and say, hey, based on the fact that you are interested in this, 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 and Mm -hmm. these are priorities for you, here's a list of pediatricians that you might mesh well with, because this might be that mom's first time going to a pediatrician. She doesn't know person A from person B. And so that's one example of a sort of being a resource and being a sort of wealth of local information that you may Mm -hmm. not be able to Mm -hmm. find as easily on the internet, or if you're just going through word of mouth, that's kind of what your doula is for. Someone who knows you and knows the community and is able to make that connection that could not be made in any other way. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting. So again, like my exposure to doulas was something that seemed to be like more of that was back in the day and something that they used to do. And, you know, today we are less connected than we might have been in the past. Right. Yes. Whether, you know, you, when you leave your household that you grew up with your parents, you may go off, may go to the other side of the country, may go to another country. We're, we're not as connected as we have been in the past. I know this is something you and I talked about, like the sense of what might have been thought of as community mm-hmm. has evolved over time. Right. Absolutely. And I really wanted to talk to you more about it, you know, with this work that you do that is all about connecting people, but then you know, knowing that, you know, your generation is potentially not as connected in certain ways as my generation might have been. I really wanted to dig into that more and talk with you about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting to see how much things have changed, especially when I talk to my parents, my grandparents, Mm -hmm. even my great grandparents and how closely knit community used to be. And being at a point now where I talk to my younger brother and he's like, I'm scared to make a phone call. Like, I don't even like ordering pizza unless I can do it online because I just don't want to talk to anyone. And that's such a bizarre and new idea. But for people who are who have grown up in the age of the Internet, that's not a new idea. That's not scary or different. And so being a doula, it was we learn historically what community looked like. Because an effective doula in many ways is a gatekeeper of community. Because if someone new, a new mom is coming to us, we hold the key. We hold these resources that you wouldn't be able to get as easily or as streamlined unless you know a doula. You know somebody who knows somebody, right? And so it's weird being in this age of the internet now where you are just, everything is thrown at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as a young person, you in some ways feel like you know everyone because we're in the era of the influencer and people share their whole lives (laughs) on the internet. So you feel like you know someone you've never met. And on the other side, you can step outside and have never spoken to any of your neighbors. (laughs) Even though you talk to Tammy and Sam across the country every day right, on your right. video game, but you don't know your next door neighbor. 
to in case something happened. You know what I mean? And so it's really weird grappling with and trying to toe the line between how much is too much, you know, thinking about the pros and cons of this new era of community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with the prevalence of social media, I really want to let's talk about how how do you differentiate between those online connections mm. and true communities? It's a loaded you know? question. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Because I, as relevant as I try to be, <laughs> it's difficult for me to imagine having the close bonds that I have with, pe- with people that I have connected with mostly in real life. I may have met them online. The in life, in real life connection and interaction is really what drives me, that gets me going. Whereas I know that for your generation, it's not necessarily the case. You just talked about your brother. I was at a conference last week and I heard there were so many young people on stage saying, you know, my best friend, I've met most of my best friends online. I don't see them very often at all. I'm, just, you know, it's just, it's all a digital connection. So I wanted to talk more about that. Yeah, definitely. It's it's really interesting. And I'll kind of share a bit of a little anecdote from when I first became a doula. When I first trained and became a doula, I was living in South Carolina. And okay. I was living with my family who had moved there. And so I didn't know anyone there. It was a weird situation where I had gone on to college and then they moved while I was in college and I moved back home in with them in this new place Uh where I Uh have no community, no friends, Uh don't know anybody. And when I became a doula, my community was all online. I tried to find doulas in my area, but there are not a lot of doulas in Columbia, South Carolina. And in that moment, it was really important for me to connect with Black doulas. And not only were there not a lot of doulas, there were not a lot of Black doulas. Mm. And so I was searching for community in other places and being able to share my business and my ideas on Instagram helped me open up a world of community with doulas all across the country, across the world. And so that's where I ended up finding my community. A lot of the doulas that I have known since the beginning of my doula journey are in Atlanta, Georgia. And like, that's what I consider to be my close knit doula community, even though I've never met my mentor in real life in person, but I have known her now for years and I feel so close to her. I feel close enough to call her my mentor, even though we've never met and I don't exactly have an answer for how we differentiate. I just know she's been there for me when I needed her. And that means the world to me. And that makes me feel like that connection is stronger than Mm. people I went to college with, people I went to high school with, who I've known for years. I don't feel as closely to them as I do this person that (laughs) we have never shaken her hand, never given her a hug, but has been there for me in a lot of different ways. So would you say, and because this is what it's sounding like, the rules of relationship are still the same, whether Mm. it's an in real life connection or a a connection digitally, like the rules are still there. So because you mentioned this person's still there for you, like you still feel like, you know, you can go to them and depend on them, et cetera. But even if you've not met them in life, because those, the elements of what makes a good relationship are still there. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Like that was just, that was just I'm like, okay, no, I get it now. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's, it's really interesting to see 
online connections come to life. And I think that I am kind of in a unique situation and I'm really open to these new forms of uh, community, not only because of my age and being Gen Z, but because I grew up in the military. Like I, uh, I am an army brat. And so yeah. I'm used to picking up, going, leaving friends behind and still being connected to them in an online capacity and not in a physical capacity once I move away. And my parents taught me early on that, you know, family can be someone who's not your blood, someone who you don't see every day. Family can be okay. someone, you know okay. what I mean, that mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. a friend, lifelong friend, and that's your family. And so I grew up with that mentality. And I think that made it easy for me to be so comfortable trusting people on the internet and engaging with them and being like, this isn't some psycho stalker who wants to kill me. This is somebody yeah. who I can actually really make a serious connection with. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I can, I can relate to that in that growing up, I've always had a, a huge family, quite honestly, particularly on my mom's side, like a very large family. And within that family grouping, there are people in that group that are not necessarily blood relatives, right. you know, Aunt so and so, whatever. Like, there's just everybody is, you know, family though, because mm -hmm. we yeah. just committed to that. So, I definitely understand you there in regards to like you can bring people into your fold um, more easily as a result of that. So, I, yeah. I can relate to that. What I'm really finding interesting though, because again, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of and truly understand the difference in this comfort level and getting the same kind of energy over the internet or, or whatever. Versus, again, what I say, like, I love people. I love interacting with people. I love, you know, hanging out and et cetera, et cetera. And again, I will do it digitally or not in not in person with people that I've already connected with. Right. But I find that I love to get the energy, that in-person energy as well. So what I'm trying to get is, okay, but clearly there's a whole group of people out there that are getting that same energy without bothering to need that in life person. Mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. And I think you see it a lot with people who are in online romantic relationships who feel like they're getting um, all the gratification that they need out of a relationship by being on the internet. You know, there's people who get the gratification of the work they do by working remotely and have never met their coworkers, their boss, uh, the people who work for them and feel comfortable with that and even might even feel empowered by that separation of, you know, work and life. And so I, I do think that it goes, community is not just your friends, your family. It's everybody that you connect with. It's everybody that you interact with in these 24 hours that you have in a day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As these online com communities continue to grow and that that's the future, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. How do you think that people might be able to discern between like more genuine connections with someone and, and surface level interactions in this, in the digital space. Have you had experiences where, you know, you may have thought that, okay, this is, this, this is a good connection. And then you come out out of it like, okay, no, that was, that was not real at all. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, definitely. Even just within the doula community, um, I think there are different forms. There's different ways to flesh that out, I do think. Um, and I think the most important thing is when someone shows you who they are, believe them. 
that's, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a, a big one for me. And I just think that going beyond uh, just like text or DMing or whatever interaction that you're doing online, going beyond that and doing phone calls, FaceTime calls. I think that that makes the experience of getting to know someone way better. And I don't think I'd be as connected to the people that I am online if I didn't have a FaceTime sort of element. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So that's, I do need that sort of physical visual aid, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. just not necessarily in person. And FaceTime, I mean, it's done a a world of wonders. As you see, we're able to talk like this, even though I'm in my room, like, you know, we're not near each other, but I still have that feeling like I'm sitting right across from you and talking. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm I'm getting there now. Now I'm really getting there. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and it's interesting because a lot of the, and I was reading a lot about how Gen Z, one of the reasons why they're going to some, you know, finding more, more and more online communities is finding people who are that much more like them or are involved in things that they are involved in. Like, and it's, it, again, I have to normalize this. Like, it's the same thing that I've just been doing in person. It just happens to be online, yeah. finding these types of groups and like you found your doula group. And what it does do, though, it does allow you to go very deep in one particular area. Um, And I'm wondering, what do you think, you know, how might that be evolving the way we ultimately interact as a society if everyone's able to kind of just go into their own little parallel, just like their own little areas, you know, versus having more of the diversity? Yeah, I, I do think that the polarization that happens on the Internet is bad and scary and dangerous it's something that as a young person, I have to actively work against because it's okay. so easy to find people who look like you and think like you and you want right. to just stay right, right in your nice community. But that's something that my parents kind of hold me accountable to and say, hey, no, you you need to interact with people who think differently. You need to interact with people who look differently. You need to hear what mm-hmm. this other mm-hmm. guy who is totally opposite, maybe not totally opposite, but you know, it's not fundamentally thinking the same. That type of thing is important, especially in this sort of charged time that we're in, just yeah. with everything politically and in terms of the pandemic and people just have a lot of varying opinions. And I found myself personally during the pandemic, anytime somebody on Facebook or Instagram who I follow said something that I didn't like, unfollow mm-hmm by, I would remove them. And looking back now, I'm like, oh, wow, I really removed uh, this whole demographic of people not realizing it. And now I'm in this like tunnel and I have tunnel vision on my social Mm -hmm. platforms. Mm -hmm. And it's hard kind of unworking that and learning the importance, the gravity and the, the importance of interacting with people who may not be just like you, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so, so what, are I do, you doing anything to try to like, what are you, what things might you be doing to try to like evolve and, and kind of spread? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm trying to just be more actively conscientious of it, especially okay. when I'm exposed to um, like, not necessarily on a platform where it's just people that I follow, but like on TikTok, they have a, what's called a for you page. 
And it shows content from creators who you don't necessarily follow. And so for me, me actively undoing the work is whenever I see something that I might not agree with right off the bat, instead of scrolling immediately or say like, I'm not interested, Mm -hmm. I sit and I watch it and I, and I'm like, okay. I Get another see perspective. And, yeah, and just stop and think about it. And oftentimes, after I think about it, I'm like, nope, still don't like it. But that's okay, though. But, but okay. I, I, I looked at it and I stopped and I thought. And it's made me a lot more tolerant. It's made me a lot more patient. And I feel like it's made me a better birth worker because okay. it's easy to mistake the idea that just because someone shares my gender, my race, whatever, that they think all the same opinions that I do. And that's not the case. And when you are confronted with that situation where someone thinks something totally fundamentally different from you, it's good to be able to show grace, still be able to sit, break bread, have a conversation and come out the other side wiser, as opposed to being intolerant and being like, well, I just can't get along with you. Bye-bye. Like (laughs) I I see a lot of people potentially going down that path and I don't want to be that person. Yeah. It's funny because when I, and by the way, I am on TikTok, so I know what the for your page is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I actually get annoyed because I know that they're just feeding me something similar to what I've seen before. And I get out to, Generally speaking, like it's like Netflix does the same thing. Like, I respect the fact that you know, in general, people do want to have similar content. But I, I do like the diversity of thought and and information, and actually don't care so much for it's always. I wish it was a setting to be like, okay, seventy five percent like what I did, yeah. what I've what I've seen before, but twenty five percent give me something that's different. Like, balance Definitely. it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's where those differing opinions come from. Like me and my dad, we share, we don't share all of the same opinions and we Mm -hmm. fundamentally think differently. But I remember one time he was like, Liddy, I know a movie you're going to love. And I was like, what is it? He was like, it's called Blazing Saddles. I was like, I've never heard of that. I don't know what that is. Okay. I trust you. What is it? He was like, I'm going to warn you. There's some things in it that you might not like. You might find it offensive. Mm-hmm. but it's a good movie. And when I read the description of it, I was like, I don't want to watch that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> but then when I sat down and watched it, I was like, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen. That was so funny. That was so good. And again, like if I had gone down this sort of path of really isolating myself from anything that I might not agree with, I don't know if I yeah. would have been able to enjoy and look back at kind of that beautiful work of art, which is what it is. And so it's just, it's funny. Yeah. In the communities that you're a part of, the, the digital digital communities that you're a part of, are there any like norms or you know, community, like ways of, of behaving in the community that you think could actually ultimately start shaping the way we as a whole start interacting with each other? Hmm. Um... I'm just wondering is like when, I mean, to be clear, I mean, things are always going to evolve as a society, but I'm just wondering if this world of the digital community versus the in-person communities? Like what's, how is it going to start shaping our daily interactions? I think it kind of has, not in the general Mm -hmm. public per se, but I have heard about, you know, like certain big events that go on or whatever, and people getting more of a spotlight, people getting more access simply because they have more followers on a social media platform and therefore getting 
real life clout and, you know, access and opportunities based on a fake. It's not fake. I don't, I, I don't like calling it fake, but if Instagram decided to close doors tomorrow, all that would be gone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so fake in that type of capacity, but it definitely, it will change the way that we all interact with each other. And it, it yeah. definitely already has. The first thing that a lot of people do when they learn about someone is like, oh, like, I'm going to hook you up with my friend. Da, 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 da. What's their Instagram? Let me see. Let me yes, see what they, you're you know, right. That's you're the first right. thing that they say. And so that was not a thing 20 years ago. What's their Instagram? But now it is an absolute must. I mean, it's very rare to meet someone and you know they're going to meet them without at least checking out, scoping out their social media platforms. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about your brother and I, and I hope he's okay that we have this. <laughs> oh, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, how you were saying, he said he, he doesn't, he would prefer not to like just, you know, to go get his food or whatever, but to have to just talk to someone. I'd rather just hang out online and do his thing. And my guess is, you know, that, that we're going to see that happen more and more. So Definitely. that that really intrigues me, to be honest, because I'm thinking, okay, well, when you might really need to have a connection with someone, like, what what does that look like? Like, if you have a major issue, who are you calling and, and connecting right. with in an emergency or whatever? Is it your gaming buddy who lives... <laughs> And um, India, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, and and is that conversation being kind of stopped? Is there an obstacle because you have to work up the nerve to even call someone in that scenario? Yes, you know what I mean, as opposed to text or yes. DM or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's really strange, and I think that it's important to have a balance. You know, I do think that in person community will always trump digital community personally. However, there are things that digital community can offer you that in-person community may not always be able to, especially if you consider yourself an oddball or the black sheep, you know, that person may feel really polarized and is able to go to someone for comfort across the globe because they happen to share that mutual connection and are just more compatible than you are with someone in, in real life. And I'm kind of an example of that too. Like my boyfriend, I met him through Instagram. We would have probably okay. never met if it hadn't been for digital community and us. But you have been able to form people. a meaningful relationship outside of digital space. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But what would I have ever given him the time of day had I not met him online? Maybe not because oh, he was not what I would consider my like physical type. I always say like, I don't like tattoos. I don't like facial hair. And he mm-hmm. had both of those. <laughs> <laughs> so if I had seen him in a coffee shop or something, I might not have given him the time of day. But because we made that connection online, I'm like, okay, we're talking and this is cool. It just, the whole thing was more approachable and has now culminated into a going on three year relationship. Yeah. So the the being the, the digital aspect of it allowed you to get to know him. Yes. And it and it made me feel safe too. We don't we don't even have to get into the history of domestic violence that goes on yeah. and the risk yeah. that a woman takes going out alone with a man that she doesn't know, you know, this is a whole stranger and you're meeting for dinner or something. That's a risk as a woman, a young woman. And so 
being able to meet someone online made me feel really safe, really comfortable, able to let my guard down, knowing okay. if I don't like this guy or he says something rude to me, I can tell him to kick rocks and I don't have to worry about <laughs> something crazy happening to me at that time. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give this digital community thing a little bit more. Yes. <laughs> it's great. More thought here. I, I need, I need to, I need to dig into a little bit more personally get exposed a little bit more, open my mind to it. Yes. Just go join a Facebook group. I do. I have, I have, I'm, I do have, you know, some groups that I'm in. I'm not only on Facebook either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No, but, but it's true. And I would even encourage you to, uh, reach out to people like that you follow. You're like, Oh, like, I really, I follow, I've been following this person and I yes. like them. Just DM them and see, you know, you never know. See, now that's a good advice for a Gen Xer. We, we have to kind of get more into that, into the, the swing of that for sure. I, I appreciate that. For yeah. Sure. I think Gen Xers yeah. are a lot more direct as well. And so just getting, get to the point, you know, I'm not trying to skirt around or the idea or anything, just boom, get to it. Yeah. And so just reaching out to someone and being like, hey, I love your energy. I've been following you for a while. I'd love to pick your brain about XYZ or boom. I will try it out. I will try it out. Could lead to so, some great fruitful relationships. <laughs> As technology continues to evolve, right? I ask, sort of asked this before, but just let's just talk again about how do you see the landscape of community changing in the future? I see... I hope that I will see community become a lot more tolerant, a lot more open. Mm. I hope to see less barriers between groups. And I just want the veil to come down between what people and what community is versus what everyone wants to be perceived as. You know, I think that a lot of misdeeds occur when people are trying to put on airs or people don't give another person because they live on the other side of the tracks, the time of day um, or opportunity. And I hope that exposure to the internet where you can see from your own safety of your home, you can see how other people live. You can see how, how similar you really might be to someone. Mm-hmm. You might find that, oh, wow, I actually... I'm a, you know, 90-year-old granny who likes to crochet and this 14-year-old kid likes to crochet. Like I never would have thought about yeah. forming that group or connection. And so I'm just hoping that there is a better not a not an even playing field, but it sounds so cliché, but like that kumbaya moment. That's that's really what I want for for community to just realize we're yeah. all a lot more similar than we are different. And using that energy to push forward for positive change and better, stronger community ties and connection. I love that. Honestly, I, I do think the interconnectivity with others is extremely important in Mm -hmm. in our lives in us as a society and how we advance as a group. So whether it's in real life or online communities are very important. So I'm going to learn. I'm going to try a little bit more of this online community thing out personally. But I, I, either way, I think that us continuing to connect and get out of our own heads is very important. Yes, definitely. And hey, you know, digital community brought me to you. I've never met, That's you know, me. our mutual connection in person. It's all been digital. And yet 
Here oh, we wow. Are. How about that? Who knew that? Mm-hmm. All right. So as we wrap up, I have <laughs> a couple of questions I just wanted to ask you. Looking back at your journey, sure. what advice would you give to your younger self if you were to go back 10 years and then reflect on your experience and insights today that you have? Like you, you've, you've got a lot of information yeah. today. <laughs> what message or reminder would you give your future self 10 years from now? Mm. So 10 years in the past, I would be 14 and I would probably tell her to trust your gut and do your research because what I want to do now is not what I wanted to do when I was 14. And I, if I had done a little more research, I think I would have mm. come to this conclusion earlier and know your worth, know your worth, because oh, I'm, I'm at a point now where I absolutely know my worth. And at that point, I, I wasn't. Confidence was not at the point that it is now. And that self-assurance wasn't there the way it is now. And so that's mm-hmm. what I would want to reinforce. Like, we're okay. Ten, you know, 10 years in the yeah. future, we're okay. We're good. We made it. So don't stress yourself out and be confident and, you know, understand that you are worth all these opportunities that you might contemplate down the line. Okay. So, yeah. 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 And 10 years in the future, I hope that I remember to stop and smell the roses and be grateful. Always be grateful and be humble because this work, it can consume you. And in this work, it's very glorified nowadays. Like you said, in these past five years, you really get an uptick. And so people really see doulas as this like amazing, fantastical thing. Like, wow, your work is so wonderful. And if you let it, that could really impact your ego and inflate it. And so staying humble, always putting mothers before you and understand you are a servant at the end of the day, you serve your community. Um, Your community does not serve you. And that's the role that you take on. You know, it's kind of a lifelong oath. And so just always keeping that at the top of my head would be really, really important. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Leah. How can listeners find you online? So uh, my doula business's name is Labor With Love. You can find me on Instagram at labor.with.love. And I am also on TikTok as Labor With Love. If you just Google that, I'll come up. Lydia yeah. Harris, Labor With Love, Not Of Love. People always get okay. that mixed up. All right. Thank you so much, Lydia. We appreciate your your wisdom that you shed on us today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. In this episode, we had the privilege of conversing with Lydia Harris, a Gen Z birth doula. Lydia's journey is fascinating as she shared her experiences and insights into the world of digital communities and their profound impact on our lives. As a doula, Lydia is a bridge that connects individuals through pivotal life transitions, offering emotional, educational, and physical support. She revealed that the doula effect not only improves birth outcomes, but also creates a deeper sense of connection and empowerment for those she assists. She highlighted how community and human connection are at the core of her work. The discussion then seamlessly transitioned to the realm of digital communities, where Lydia eloquently described unique phenomenon of feeling deeply connected to people you've never met in person. She shared her personal journey of finding her doula community online, 
forging powerful connections with individuals across state and even countries. These virtual bonds often became more meaningful and supportive than some of her in-person relationships. Lydia's insights shed light on how Gen Z, despite growing up in the digital age, is harnessing technology to create authentic connections and foster genuine communities. Her story beautifully illustrates the intersection of the virtual and the real, where digital connections can carry immersed weight and contribute to personal growth and well-being. As we wrap up this enlightening conversation, let's reflect on the profound impact that both online and offline communities have on our lives. Lydia's journey reminds us that true connections transcend physical boundaries and that the need for community is deeply ingrained in our human experience. Until next time, take care and continue fostering meaningful connections in the digital era. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Be sure to click the follow button on your podcast app to stay updated on our latest releases. Connect with us on Instagram and YouTube at From X to Z Podcast for more exciting content. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out with your questions and topic suggestions for future episodes. I'm Eugene X host Vicki, and you've just enjoyed From X to Z, the podcast that bridges the generations. <laughs>